welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing Understanding God's Word Part 2, Context and Language. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. It's good to be here with you, Brian. How's it going, man? It's going well. Yeah, we're doing well. We're excited to be here and continuing our Understanding God's Word series. So, yep, I, I've uh, enjoyed. I enjoyed last episode a lot. Uh, looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to the the other ones that are coming up later on because I feel like that's going to be really you know applicable. And right. Just, those are a lot of fun. Those yeah. are a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Stick with us. Um, some of the stuff we're we're trying to make it very um, like very kind of user friendly, right, you know, right, very right. hands on. Some of the stuff is a little technical and so but we're we're trying really hard to think we about will. it in the in the way of like what would I um you know what what would I want to know and think as yeah. somebody who is coming to this new and fresh. Yeah, and we want I know for me I want I want our listeners who like or want to just like geek out on the kind of nerdier side of of things to really enjoy like the 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 cool you know just the the fun things that you don't normally think about or, or technical stuff but i also don't want it to be boring you know I right want, i want it to be engaging so hopefully hopefully that's the case and hopefully if not, you're hearing that you know if not, try to make it fun so sorry yeah, yeah. Our, our bad okay <laughs> no but, but seriously though uh if you haven't already subscribed go ahead and do that give us a review uh share us uh you know email us your feedback so that we know uh, Oh, if if we're doing what we're trying to do, if this is helpful for you and your family, uh, send the email at f4l at oakhillbc.org. Just let us know what you're thinking, other things you want us to be talking about. We'd love to hear your feedback. So today we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about context and language. That's right. So tell us, Brian, why is this important? Yeah, so context and language are are super duper important in order to discover the meaning. So our last uh, episode, we talked a lot about meaning. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but in order for us to, to understand implications and how things apply to our lives, we have to know what it means. And so we talked about the rules for discovering meaning. Well, we talked a lot about context and language um, last time. We want to just dive into Yeah, we kind of danced around more. it a little bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that's what we're really wanting to get into today. And, and you've heard, I don't know, maybe you haven't heard, but I know I've heard in Bible college and seminary, and I'm sure you've heard, Brian, you know, they always say context is key. Mm. Context is key. If you want to understand something, context is key. So we're going to talk about why that's the case. Um, but first, let's let's talk a little bit about meaning again. Let's kind of recap and maybe yeah. talk about that some more. So, um, you know, what what is meaning? Right? Yeah, it's the author's intended message that is being conveyed through a pattern or code of information. That's right. So, what does what do we mean when we say meaning? <laughs> meaning. What does meaning? mean the meaning that's right so it's like it, it really is a, a pattern and and dr stein talks about meaning and and understanding meaning through a, a pattern and we talked a little bit about you know two four six eight that's a pattern if i say two four six eight you can then say 
10, 10, 12, 12, 14. 14. Exactly. Um, and so that, that is really important to understand. And we have to decipher that just like what Brian deciphered it, uh, cause he understood the code, the meat, the, the pattern. We decipher that using context and language. We use those cues in order to understand the pattern of meaning that the author is using. That is going to give us extremely precise understanding of what the author means and what the author is trying to get us to understand. Yeah. So it's amazing how this works. Um, but why why is it important to recognize that uh, the meaning of the text is defined by the author, not the reader? Yes. You know, we talked about this that how how important it is to discover the meaning based on what the author has to say because if we are the arbiters of that that determination the, as the reader, we can make it say whatever we want. Exactly. We can misinterpret. We can intentionally or unintentionally misinterpret. And there's a danger with scripture to go into heresy. You know, I just thought about this too. Uh, I just, you know, we didn't really dive into how this affects relationships a whole lot. But, you know, if, if you, if, if any one of us is not concerned about understanding what another person actually means and we're just concerned about making something mean what we want man doesn't that damages relationships right yeah. and i mean it's considered relationship with god when we say did god really say when we ask those questions and start you know trying to determine what god means for ourselves we're breaking the relationship with God and saying, we don't really care what you mean. How many times have you had a miscommunication with somebody? And if you don't clear it up, then you have bad thoughts or, or, yeah. or broken relationship. But a lot of times, if you just clear up that miscommunication, the meaning, then it's all good. Right. And, and a lot of times, so this is important, we, we need to understand how to, how to uh, get the meaning. We need to know that the author is the one who controls that. But, you know, a lot of times we say, even in Bible studies and things, like, what does this mean yeah. to you? Or what does mm -hmm. this mean to me? Uh, you know, what's the difference between what the text means and, and what, you know, quote, what it means to me? Yeah, if you ask in your Bible studies, what does this mean to to me? That's a terrible question. Right. Um, because as we talked about, there there's a, you know, there's one meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, there can have different applications but I think it's really important that we uh, understand the meaning that the author intended, not what I think the meaning is. Right, exactly. And, and you know, uh, Rob, Dr. Stein talks about this. And really, when somebody says, what does it mean to me, um, we, can, we can have, like, that can be a good thing as long as you understand it to not be uh, you coming up with a new meaning on your own. Because what, what Dr. Stein says, and I think it's very helpful to make a distinction between meaning and significance, right? So mm -hmm. so the question is not, what does this mean to me, but how is this significant to me? Because right. we need to know what it means using context and language and all the other things. And then I need to ask the question, how is this significant to me? And that's when you know the meaning, but then you're able to draw out the implications properly and the application and then describe how all of that makes you feel, right? So that's really what we're doing when we say, what does this mean to me? We're not saying, we, or we shouldn't be saying what it means. What we really should be just saying is, how is this significant? How does this make me feel? And so uh, we need to make sure we're clear 
on that. Um, but, you know, why do we really need to know what the text means? It, it, I mean, if really the significant, because wouldn't you agree, Brian, like most of the time, or at least maybe not most of the time, but it feels like people just want to know how how it applies to my life. And we even feel the 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 tension of making sure things feel applicable right mm. like it seems like the thing that matters the most is the significance yeah and so why do we even care well, about what it means I'm, I'm reading a book right now uh and it's got a lot of it's about food and things like that that mm. we eat and there's a ton of like technical things and i, I caught myself the other day like mm -hmm. just tell me what to eat mm -hmm. you know <laughs> quit giving me all this like monosaturated poly <laughs> you know scientific uh -huh. jargon just uh -huh. tell me what's good and what's bad right the problem is um, if we don't do the research, if we don't do the work, it's it's not a, the, the meaning. I mean, the the application is not as rich. Yeah, because we need to understand. Uh, you know, I could just sit there and tell you what the Bible says, but to draw out the true application, the true significance to your life, you need to know the meaning for yeah. yourself. You need to discover that and understand that so that you can work that out and apply that to your life. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Because ultimately, like, when you get what the author means, um, it, then the application is not just what somebody tells you the application right. is. The application is what you really feel about the meaning itself. Well, this is why when I do my study, I don't immediately jump to commentaries. Yeah. I, I read the scripture, I outline it, I do some of the historical uh, work, I do some of the, the, the uh, word study work, then I will go to commentaries. Because oftentimes in a commentary, especially commentaries that are written in modern day, mm -hmm. they have ap they have their own application right. to it, and it will get your mind thinking to their application, and not necessarily how God is wanting that meaning to apply to your life and in your context. Yep. I, I remember one of my first sermons I preached. Uh, the the professor came back and he was like, "Man, it was good," um, but you kind of just did application the whole time. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because in my mind I was like, "Well, isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing?" And yes, it is. But you know, people. People, it doesn't hit it doesn't it just doesn't hit your heart the same way if you don't have the fullness of the meaning right you know it just is like okay cool cool stuff you know and so you were talking about going to commentaries and reading you know doing research and doing historical research there's a word for some of the information that you're looking at and that's the word we're talking about it's it's context mm. that's a lot of what needs to happen when you're doing study is figuring out context but why do we need to know what context is in order to discover the meaning of a text yeah it's so important to um understanding communication in general mm -hmm. and just words and phrases and everything in general yeah. you know um you know a lot of times in especially in modern day language we use a ton of exaggeration we use mm -hmm. a ton of hyperbole you know you could say you know um you know, somebody frustrates you or makes you mad. I'm going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And you're like, you're like, I'm calling the cops. Brian's going to kill yeah. someone. Right. Right. You know, right. no, that's, that's hyperbole. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you, you're so mad. You're so frustrated. You're using exaggerated language. So right. context tells you based on, you know, that person, you know who they are, you know how they act, that they're not really going to kill that person. Right. They're just really angry. They're at just them. really mad. Yeah. yeah. But if you see somebody holding a gun, pointing at somebody else and then say, 
I'm going to kill you. Right. Like, that context tells you that some more information surrounding those words. It's like, oh, this is not a joke. This exactly. Is serious, you know? And so that's the point. These words are not spoken in a vacuum, right? Yes. They're, they're, the meaning isn't produced in a vacuum. They're connected. Me- words and meanings are all connected to each other. And, and it's by their interconnectedness that we understand the pattern, the code of what's of, of, of the meaning, right? The, the information is encoded in the way all of these things are put together. And so the question then is, what is context? It's a certain thing. What is it? Yeah. Stein says that it's a shared pattern of meaning willed by the author in the words, sentences, paragraphs, and chapters surrounding the text. Yeah. So Stein is, is focusing in on the uh, literary context, right? So there, that's the, the literature surrounding the, the text you are looking at. But context can be even more than that. It, context is also the information about the author, the timing, the occasion of the writing, all of those details, the, the historical. Yeah, mm-hmm. the audience. So a lot of times it's called historical context. So there's like historical and literary context that you can use together. Well, this is so important because it draws out a richness in Scripture that we cannot get just based on um just based on sometimes just just reading a verse right. or reading a story you know if i truly read it and understand you know one of the, one of the one of the, the greatest things i've ever done is read whole books or whole sections of books you know i've read all of the books that moses wrote down yeah. i get a sense a greater sense of who moses is i've done some some history some work on uh, on moses you yeah. know the same thing with paul if you read paul's letters you get a sense of who Paul is. You get a sense of his personality. I'm not just pulling out one verse where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ right. who strengthens me. No, Paul's saying, in the suffering that I've had to endure, <laughs> yeah. Christ has given me the strength to endure all of those things. Right. I can do the hardest things that God calls me to do to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's context. Right, because you know who Paul is and what he's gone through and and why he's saying what he's saying. It's not just I can go shoot three-pointers in the name of Jesus. <laughs> right, exactly. That's right. Um, and so, you know, one way that, that I like to think about this is that context is the, se- the setting, right? It's yes. the setting or the surrounding information that gives us frames of reference for what the author is saying, okay? The, the context does not produce meaning, okay? Context itself is not the meaning, but it is the concentric, it's like, they're like concentric circles, the different types, there are different types of things you're looking at in context, Um, and it's like a concentric circle that produces an increasingly precise frame of reference, right? So, Well, think about a book that you read that's set in, mm -hmm. that's set in um, Elizabethan, you know, uh, England. Yeah. Do you know what I'm exactly. saying? You start reading that book and pictures start to form in your mind of the setting of the countryside, or you start reading you, you, the, the dress, the wear that people had. And you start to, you start to see all of that context as it comes together in the text. And you don't just, you know, it, it helps the story to come alive and to, and to come into focus. Whereas if you just read it without any of that, you'd be like, well, is this in, is this in exactly. New York in 1950s? Is it in ancient yep. Greek? You know, no, you're putting this in the right proper context. So then it means something 
uh, it, it helps draw the meaning. Exactly. It, it's kind of and that one thing that I, I've seen some authors do. I can't think of the exact examples off the top of my head, but like what's fun is when you see authors <clears throat> writing things without giving you the context yet, and then they slowly draw open the context. Yes. So like the things that they have already said that you don't fully understand yet, when they draw open the context, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, you and like you clicks, it clicks into perspective. Right. You know? And that's a literary um, sort of tool that yeah. people use is to is to actually really um, uh, confuse the audience into what's actually happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the Bible does not do that, so no. you don't have to worry about that. No, not really, no. Um, and so, okay, so let's look at uh, an example of how this might work, okay? Um and, and, and we're gonna use, we're gonna talk about some of the specific things that you like there's questions you can ask that draw out what is the context of this text. But let's look at Romans 5:8, okay? Romans 5:8 says, "But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so for most Christians, you would read that and, and you are already doing context, without even knowing it, because right. it's natural to you. Um, but if you didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know anything about Romans, you didn't know anything about theology, you would be like, God, let's pretend you knew who God was or that God existed, right? God demonstrates his own love, okay? Okay, interesting, God loves us. While we were yet sinners, all right? Why would God love sinners? That's weird. And then Christ died for us. Why is Christ dying? So, Okay, this doesn't make any sense. Why Why is any of this happening? You start asking questions to draw in the frames of reference to get what's happening. So the first question I think you would ask is, you know, where where was this written? So where where is this happening? This is So I wrote these out, and, and Brian, correct me if you think any of these are out of order, but I think of these questions as like kind of, they're like the least important mm-hmm. question to the most important question. Mm-hmm. So the least important thing is where where was this written? And we know that this was written in the city of Corinth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a, a Greek city. Um, so it's written in a Greek town in the Greek context. So okay, interesting. But when was it written? Well, it's written in AD fifty seven. Well, this is this is significant and important, and this is one of the things mm-hmm. I learned about the Bible is the Bible is not in chronological order. Right. Okay. Now, I know that it starts with Genesis, which is the beginning, and ends with Revelation, which is the prophecy of the end. But the letters of Paul are arranged in the size of the books. Right. So that's why you see Romans, right? It's one of the largest mm-hmm. books, all the way down to uh, Philemon, I believe, is his last book, which is the shortest. Is that the the the... The last one chronologically? Of no, no, no. The last one. Because oh, oh of the yes, shortest. And the, yes, 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 yeah. exactly, yes. And of Paul's epistles, right? <clears throat> and so it's arranged in a way that is, uh, for whatever reason, that's why they arranged it. So I think dates are helpful mm-hmm. because if you read Paul's letters within the the date mm-hmm. when which they were written, you get a greater sense of the the, the urgency of Paul as he goes later on in his ministry and he knows he's been suffering for Jesus a lot mm-hmm. and his time is coming to the end, especially like his prison letters when he's in Rome. Yes. You, you, you get a sense of like there's an impending doom uh, of that, but also like a hope in yep. Christ. Well, and I just taught that a Christ series, is everything. Exactly. I taught a series on the prison letters and the whole time we just kept talking about the fact that Paul, like I would say, I would read something that Paul said, you know, like I, you know, uh, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And I'm like, 
Paul's in prison. He probably is going to die. Right. Like, this isn't a joke. This is for real. And right. it brings a greater weight to what he's even mm-hmm. saying. And I knew that he was in prison because, because we know when he wrote it and we know where he wrote it. And we knew that he was in prison at that time. And so those questions help us to understand. Date is very, very important. The audience is also very important. That's right. Whom it's written to. Um, the Christians, the, the audience actually helps you understand context in one, one of the greatest ways. Let me give you an example of when you read the, the, the four Gospels, each of the four Gospels have a different yes. audience. So then now if I understand that, I can actually understand it's not just similar stories, but I can understand that what what the author is emphasizing out of the life of Jesus, his teaching, his miracles, um, you know, the the actions, the narratives, the stories, he's telling this audience specific things to convey specific meanings. Because it would impact them in particular ways because of their context. Right. 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 What Matthew is saying to a Jewish audience is different than what Luke is saying to a Gentile audience. Right. Well, and that's why, so Paul's writing to, for this text, he's writing to Christians who are in Rome. Okay. And some of the things that Paul says later in the book of Romans about like submitting to the governing authorities Mm -hmm. would be very interesting to hear being in the capital city of the empire of the world at the time. Right. So that's interesting. Another aspect that's really important, and I think more important, is the genre. Mm-hmm. Even. Yeah, um, we're going to talk a lot about yeah. genre in future episodes, so stick with us because this is very how you how you read the genres is very important. I, I think that is one of the th- the first thing that's the most important for hermeneutics is knowing that the author determines meaning. Mm-hmm. To me, and what what helped me the most uh, to to do hermeneutics to understand God's word is knowing how genre works. Mm-hmm. That was pivotal. So this is a letter. So Paul's writing a letter. Letter is usually describing things as an epistle, right? It normally is describing with accuracy uh, reality. It's not going to be very flowery language. It's not going to be poetic. It's going to be pretty literal. Um, so that's helpful to know. And then we got to know who wrote it. Well, we've already said who wrote it because we already knew that, but that's the most important thing is, or one of the most important things. It was Paul. Well, okay, who is Paul? And I mentioned in our last episode, Martin Lloyd-Jones in his series on Romans really spends a lot of time talking about who Paul is because Paul's a former Pharisee. To say that Christ died for us, to say that Jesus is Christ is insane, for a former Pharisee, for a Pharisee to say. Well, that, it, that helps you, it also helps you understand that Paul is uh, of Jewish descent, but he's also a Roman citizen. Yes, uh, there you go too, yeah. And so you understand his context a little bit differently as he's writing to uh, Christians who are in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much information, but then, and this is actually the most important thing, what else was written surrounding this text, okay? So we To said, give you the context of this text. To give you the context, mm-hmm. that's right. And so so God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, why does it matter that I'm a sinner? Yeah, what's a, what is sin cares? and why why is sin matter? Right. Well, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned all have fall sinned. of the glory of God. Well, okay, so I've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Oh, oh. That's mm-hmm. kind of important. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm seeing that I'm a sinner and I deserve to die, but God demonstrated his love toward me by doing something. Christ died for me. And I know from the rest of Romans that that's the gospel, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of that truth, the truth that Christ died for me right. to pay my sins. 
because that is what I need. That's the I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So who does God demonstrate his love toward? Who does who is us? It's all who believe. Oh, okay. Now I know what he said. Now I get it. Because I've asked these questions about context, and then I've asked questions about the language itself, right? So Context is something we use to decipher. We decipher context all the time on a sub subconscious level. Like we're always doing context. But if we don't think about it intentionally, we can be tempted to think we understand something before we really see all the surrounding information. Mm -hmm. I know I've done this so many times. I've read the Bible and said, oh, what does this mean to me? Well, I know what it means. But then I go in, I start asking some deeper questions. I'm like, well, I was wrong um, very wrong, and now I now I really know. And then the application becomes totally different because I know what it actually meant. Yeah. So that's really important. Yeah, um, I, I I think this is something that we've got to learn. Um, we we do this we do this naturally with all kinds of reading. Everything. And it like you said, it can happen subconsciously a lot of times. But I think we've we've got to when we come to God's word, we've got to understand and do a little bit of study when it comes to context. Now, some of the things we mentioned earlier, we talked about the date and the occasion and the audience and those mm -hmm. things. Th a lot of those are in your study Bible. Exactly. So if you have a study Bible, a lot of times before the book, it'll, it'll list these things. And so that's really helpful. I would encourage you when you're reading, and number one, I would encourage you to read through books of the Bible. Yes. At whatever speed you want to read through that, that book, fine. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important when you begin to read through a book, read that first part in your study Bible that gives you that background of that book. Absolutely. And yeah, that, that is key. I mean, I, I do that all the time. Um, I mean, I use that for when I'm preaching. I just make sure I'm like remembering the context. Yeah, that's resource number one, I mm -hmm. would say, uh, is to have a study Bible. Yeah. Yeah, some kind. I like the ESV study Bible is That's really like good. Yeah. I've got other study Bibles. I just got that new um, Grace and Truth study Bible yeah. from T4G, and I've not had time to dive into it, but I've used that one. The if you like a more um, kind of dynamic translation, the CSB has a study Bible. They have the he. Um, I think it's he reads God's word or she reads, and they have mm. a guy's version and a, oh, and a girl's version. That's she, cool. uh, she reads the word, he reads the word. I can't remember exactly, but I have that one as well. And I've actually been using that a lot. The CSB is a dynamic, yeah. but also a very accurate, true translation. Yeah. Yeah. And so get yourself a study Bible is what we're saying. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's funny you're talking about translation a little bit because we need to talk about language because mm -hmm. we talked about context. And again, context is the kind of frame of reference for what's happening, but you have to have the language. You have to have the actual code. Oh, he reads truth and she reads truth. Sorry. He reads truth and she reads truth. My brain's a little working. I'm like lagging today. <laughs> buffering. I'm buffering a little bit. Okay, now now we're going to talk now about language. We're, now we're talking about language. So, so the question then is, what is language, right? Um, well, What is language? We're using language right now. is language. Language uh, is languaging the language. It's language. It's, okay, so language... It, it's the pattern or code we use to transmit information. That's right. Okay, so it can be verbal, it can be it can be symbols, there can be lots of ways that we communicate language. Here's the cool thing. Humans have been very creative in how we use language. We have 
uh, AI, we have American Sign Language that mm-hmm. you know people can use their hands yep. to convey words and meaning. Mm-hmm. People have used Morse code through yeah. dots and dashes. Yeah, uh, you know, even through uh, coding, we've used binary l- uh, language, language to communicate things. It's just it's so amazing that we're able to do all of this. And that's really that's that's a cool point because even the binary code. It gets, it's a, it's a, it's so like when you write words on your computer and then you send an email, yeah. what it does is it literally takes those words, all the information, it converts, it translates it into another language called binary code, sends it through codes and patterns of electricity through those wires to another computer that takes it and deciphers it. It turns it back into whatever language you were writing in English. It's unbelievable. Us. It's so, but but it's unbelievable. It's it's amazing. It seems unreal, but it's also incredibly I, listen, simple. I still can't figure out how a fax machine works. Okay, <laughs> I know you plug it into the into the telephone and somehow <laughs> it, it sends done. the fax. It's I don't done. know how that works. It's magic. It's no. amazing. So okay, so language. We're kind of messing around, but it but it is. I'm fascinated by this stuff. Um, it is, it's a, it's a code. Okay. And, and, and that's how, and then when you study, I, I think, I think about the idea of DNA. I think about, uh, creation apologetics a lot because one of the major things we look at is the fact that information data comes from a creator and it gets encoded and then it is then deciphered. Yes. That's how language works. Okay. And so, uh, why, why do we need to understand this though? How, why do we need to understand how language is working in order to actually get the meaning? Yeah. It's, it's simple. We can't decipher the meaning without understanding the language. Yeah. You have to know the code that's being used in order to just like get if the it's meaning. just like if something's written in French, I, I can't understand exactly. it because I don't read French. I don't I don't speak French. You would have to learn French or have somebody who knows French to translate it to translate mm-hmm. it into a code that you do understand. Right. Right. And so we need to understand how this works. And and Dr. Stein has a really helpful uh, way of looking this at this. This is from a basic guide to yes. interpreting the Bible. We Thank mentioned you. that in the last episode, but I just want to mention it by Thank Dr. You. Robert Stein. Yeah, we talk, we were recording two episodes at a time, and I forgot we didn't say that in this one. But, uh, yeah, Dr. Robert Stein talks about the, the these things called the norms of language and the norms of utterance. And I want to make sure we also talk about the nature of translation. He, he talks about that, too. So... So let's talk about for just a minute the norms of language. This is these are these these are concepts that help us understand how language works, right? So norms of language are essentially it's it's kind of looking at each word and understanding what any given word can mean, okay? And who determines that. So so here's an example. Um like we've talked about the word love and he Dr. Stein talked about the word love. Well, love, when you look it up in a dictionary, it can mean a lot of different things. It actually has a lot of different definitions. Um, love can mean many different things, but love cannot mean cat. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there, it's interesting that he talks about um, the book Alice in Wonderland and how um, the, I believe it was, uh, oh, it was Humpty Dumpty and Alice are talking. And in the book, Humpty Dumpty says a bunch of nonsense. And Alice goes, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I mean whatever I want to mean. Mm. I mean this. And he has to simply, he, he basically explains what he meant. And she goes, well, how am I supposed to understand that? And he was like, well, I make meaning whatever I want it to be. 
But Dr. Stein pointed out that that's not true. In fact, what actually happened is he was breaking the norms of utterance, using words outside of their actual norm, or the norm of language, outside of their norm, to mean something that nobody else understands them to mean. Right. And he had to explain it using words that people did understand. Mm -hmm. So the point is here, you can't make a word mean something that other people don't understand it to mean. Right. That never works. You're not actually communicating if you use a word in a way that nobody else understands. And so maybe, and this is a norm of language, like uh, words can have nuance or change meaning over time. Sure. Right? Well, I think this is where context is important as well because if I say the word, uh, you know, if I say I love pizza uh -huh. and I love my wife. Right. Okay. Those are different types uh, of love. Weird. <laughs> it's not yeah, the yeah, same exactly. type of love. Exactly. I don't, uh, you know, and so I think, I think when we combine these things is when we really start to understand mm -hmm. and, and put together the meaning. Well, yeah, I'm going to use something that might make people squirm a little bit, but it's it's a really helpful thing. I know for me, uh, so like I like Christmas movies. We've talked about Christmas movies mm. before, and there's songs that talk about that sing about you know Christmas time, and they use the word gay. Mm. Okay, think about it. You know, back when those songs were written, and back it in some of those happy, movies, yeah. it's just happy. Mm -hmm. It's just happy, and 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 you know, you think of uh, other movies written, you know, done back in the the early 20th century. That word century. now has changed And that word means meanings. something very different yeah. now. And so people well, don't Well, it still means it what it means in the old, but, but... But nobody uses it that way. Right. And that's why... And so over time, that norm of language gets changed. And so if I were to say that word in a conversation with somebody, I would have to define it. I would have to explain it further mm -hmm. for them to get it because of how the language is changing. Right. But that's, that's important for us to understand because... For instance, uh, the Bible isn't written in classical Greek. Mm. The Bible is not written in uh, modern Greek. The Bible is written in a, a type of Greek called Koine Greek. It's a very specific Greek usage at a certain time in history. Mm -hmm. That time, The time in history when the Bible was written, they spoke and wrote Koine Greek. Everything was in Koine Greek at that time. Over time, it changes. And same thing with Old English. Mm. We talk about Old English. Who can read, you know, um, uh, what's the, what's the, what's the old, uh, it's the one that everyone has to read when you're trying to do English language. Um, you talk about Shakespeare? Well, there's Shakespeare and there's, there's the one of... It's got Grindel well, is the Well, the, is the, the greatest character. example that I give, and this helps me set some people off and gives trigger trigger warning. Trigger. People talk about reading the King James Bible, and if yes. you read the King James 1611, it's almost it's almost unreadable right. because it's in Old English. The version that people have today is, uh, is I think, a version, a translation from the 1700s. Yeah. It's not the 1611 because... You can't read you the can't, 1611. Well, I was just looking up. It's Beowulf. Beowulf, oh, Beowulf. is, is the mm -hmm. epic poem that people use for Old English to to help you read. And I remember mm -hmm. listening to a CD of a guy reading it. And it was it was incomprehensible, right? Even though it was technically in English. Your brain, it's it's you have to get your brain to think differently about sentence structures and in word uh, pronunciation. Yeah, word pronunciation, everything. It's amazing. It's actually really cool. Well, and even uh you know the um Pilgrim's Progress yeah. is getting beyond our understanding and a lot of times I recommend the uh modern English translation right. of Pilgrim's Progress. That's right. And so so 
that's that's an issue of the norms of language, okay? And so language can change over time. Um, but what we have to do is know what it was written as mm-hmm. and understand that. I cannot take my modern – you cannot take modern Greek and apply that to Koine Greek and think you're going to understand it. Mm-hmm. You have to learn Koine Greek. And then you have to – somebody has to learn Koine Greek. And translate. And then translate mm-hmm. it into a version of English that we can understand. Yeah. Right? So that's just taking the code and making the code understandable to people so we get the meaning. Okay. Now, there's another thing called the norms of utterance, all right? And so we kind of talked about this a little bit, but we started breaking into it. But the norms of utterance is this idea of what the author means when he is using a given word, okay? So when an author uses the word love in his writing, we know that love can mean several different things, right? Well... What is the author using when he what, – what does the author mean when he uses that word? Mm-hmm. So when Paul writes about love, we can see how he uses the term agape. Mm-hmm. We can see how he uses it over and over and over again. And then we can say, uh-uh, this is usually what Paul means when he says agape. Right. We're not thinking he's using it in any other way because this is how he normally does it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's one of the ways that we understand more specifically what somebody means. Yeah, this is why a uh, resource alert number two mm-hmm. is you look at uh, some sort of concordance or something that helps you with the actual words. Mm-hmm. And one of the resources that I use a lot is Blue Letter Bible. Yes, that's great. And I can look up what a word is, and then it gives me all of the other uses of that word in the Bible. Yep. And so then I can go and say, okay, this word, it, 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 this author is using it like this. How did, how was it used in other contexts? How was it used in other, other places by this author? Yep. And I say, oh, okay, that's, he is meaning it in this way. I want to give an example. This is, uh, this is off subject, but it is, it is relatable to what we're talking about. There was a time where we were talking about, we were actually doing our podcast on friendship and I was talking about the idea of love and friendship. And I was talking about a particular verse. And in our last episode, we talked about how it's important to do interpretation in the context of, of relationship with other people. We need people to keep us accountable. And I was talking to you about this verse and you actually pulled up blue letter Bible and you were like, well, let's look and see what the words, what the words actually mean, how Paul uses that or how uh, it wasn't one of Paul's writings, but how, how the word is used in that uh, book uh, regularly. And we looked it up and it actually corrected my, uh, my, what I was saying a little bit. And so that's one of the things that's cool about the, the time we live in. You can do that super easily. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to be an expert in language right. to know things that only experts knew, uh, you know, a hundred years ago. Right. So, so we have to know how people normally use words in their, in, as they're writing. But we've talked a lot about translation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we talked about the fact that translation is basically taking one code and transferring it into another code or language that somebody does understand. Mm-hmm. And because language is always changing, people are like, why do we keep having these new translations? It's because language is not static. Right. Language is always changing and evolving. And so 100 years from now, the ESV will not be relevant. 
Right. If Jesus doesn't come back in 100 years, the ESV will need to be updated and changed because the people at that time will 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 understand language differently than what we have nowadays. That's right. And um, it's it's interesting because even if you go back and you read, uh, you know, you listen or you read uh, sermons by Spurgeon. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's a different norm of utterance, norm of language. You know, even though it's English, mm-hmm. things are are beginning to get to where you have to work really hard to understand and put some of these things together. That's right. And so uh, it can be hard, but the great thing is when it comes to the Bible is. Um, people are going to make sure that, uh, not just people, God, right? God mm-hmm. is going to preserve his word for people. God is going to make sure. It was written in a language that people could understand. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek because those were the people it was written to. Common languages at the time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it has been translated we know by so faithful much people. about those languages. That's and right. We pre- God has helped us to preserve the knowledge of those languages that we can't have accurate translations today. So we don't we don't have to know. You don't you personally don't have to really know the original language to truly understand what was said, right? Right. Because there are people who and and you do have to kind of scrutinize this a little bit. There are bad translations. Yes. There definitely are. But there are amazing there are really good translations where people have done their very best before God to take the original languages and translate them into a, a language that you can understand and yeah. can read. Most of the bad ones are like paraphrases. You know, exactly. it goes if if you look up online, you can see uh, in English translations. There's there's the most literal, mm-hmm. which would be like the NASB, you know, and the New American Standard Bible. Mm-hmm. I think is the most literal. And that can be hard to read sometimes because they try to actually keep as much of the original sentence structure as possible, right. which doesn't all, from from the Greek and the Hebrew doesn't always work out in English, in English right. the the right way. You start reading like Yoda or something, sometimes. right? Yeah. Right. But then you go to a paraphrase, which are on the complete opposite side of the the scale. That's somebody who's reading the word and. And coming up with their own sort of interpretation to make it as as pleasant and appealing as possible, right? And that can be dangerous because they can put their own application, their own their own uh, emphasis on things. Yeah. It, yes. But then you have in the middle are like your dynamic translations, and these will skew to one side or the other. You know, you have your NIV and your ESV and your CSB. And you know, like your ESV is more literal ESV than is, yeah. than your NIV. Yeah. And so you have a, a spectrum and a scale so it's important to know what am i reading right. how, how what how when they when they sought how, to make this mm-hmm. translation what were they seeking to do right. were they seeking to make it more literal or were they really going to to readability where they go you know what and each each translation is also written on a certain level mm-hmm. the words that they yes. use yes. the um the types of of things so like for instance the esv i believe is on a 12th grade reading level mm. maybe less i than think that. it's less than that yeah ni- a ninth grade yeah, reading yeah, level I think so mm-hmm. okay the nasb might be the one that's on a 12th NASB, grade reading yeah. level mm-hmm. Uh, but then you go down to the NIV, which might be a seventh grade reading level you know and so all of these things so so they're using words Norms of language, norms exactly. of utterance that a seventh grader would be, would able, to be able to understand. Right. And and here's the thing. It's like, well, uh, so does that mean we're losing meaning as we're reading this? Um, well, that's a real question that we have to, you know, think about. I, I think ultimately the answer is no. 
I think ultimately the answer is no. However, if you want to get the most accurate communication of the meaning from the author, then you have to go back to the original code. Mm-hmm. Greek I mean, that's and always Hebrew. exactly. You have to go back to Greek and Hebrew, and you have to go back as as and and that's where the Reformation. That's their mantra is back to the sources, and that was the point. Let's get back to the code that the that the author used himself. And let's see what he said, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what we uh, well. That's are why, doing. like when they when there were some translations, English translations that mm-hmm. used um, like the Greek Septuagint, you know, right? But um, those weren't super accurate. They went back instead of looking at some of those things. They went back to the original Hebrew right. and went from Hebrew to English, right? Instead of of so, Hebrew mm-hmm. to Greek to English, right? Because, right. because, yeah, the Hebrew, the Greek Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, right? Right. right. And so, instead of just doing that, um, they would they or, went all the way back to, the or Hebrew. they went to the Latin Vulgate, which was right. a which translation was the, of the Greek. Uh-huh. They went from Latin, then they went to English. So they they lost things in that. And so right. when they when when the translators went all the way back. back to Hebrew to English, you get a much more accurate translation. Which is what we have. Or Greek to English. Right. Which is what we have now in the NASB and the ESV, uh, even in the in the KJV. But that's, and we have that's more English. preserved copies of God's Word than any other book. I mean, it's thousands upon thousands of fragments yeah. and 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 scripture and book from the ancient world. And so we can confirm with very high percentage of accuracy that we have the original word that's right of god that's it's amazing i mean it's miraculous and so you know these 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 translations are not just commentaries they are they are they are taking the the code the pattern of information that was laid down in the original writing and simply conferring it into an, another pattern that we can understand um, and that's that is extremely helpful. That's amazing that God listen, God invented this. God invented the idea of communication when you know it says in the beginning, you know, he spoke the world mm. into existence. In the beginning was the word. Okay? That's cool. Like Jesus himself is is the inventor of communication. And so so he wants us to know what he has to say. He wants us to know what he means. And, uh, and that's what we have when we look at the language. Um, you know, when God confused the languages in Babel, he made it, he didn't make it impossible for us to know him. He, uh, he's, he's made it extremely possible. I mean, they're, they're, and we're still translating this into languages all around the world, so we need to keep working on that so that other people can understand what God has said. Yeah. So, you know, when you know how context and language work, then you can confidently use those tools to discover very precisely the meaning of the Bible. I mean, this was revolutionary. When I understood what I was trying to do with context and how I understood how language works, it really changed. I was able to read the Bible and be like, I get this. I understand what's happening. I understand. I know what God said. (laughs) It's revolutionary, guys. And so uh, it's please, we hope and pray that this would be applicable to your life as well. Yeah, interpretation is important, and we must use all the tools and resources available to us to understand the language, to get the meaning, and be able to apply that to our lives. And so that's um, that's what we've been talking about, both of the, the last episode and this episode. That's right. And so 
ultimately, you know, doing this, using context, using language, and the, all the other things that we're going to be talking about, it's not just a fun academic exercise <laughs> or maybe a boring academic exercise, depending on how you look at it. It's actually one of the ways that we can love the Lord with our minds, as the Bible commands. And so the more we understand his word, the more our minds can be transformed and renewed by it. So this, this is why it matters. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, as Romans 12 tells us. So therefore, let's understand it. Right. Let's understand what God said, and then we can do that. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think our listeners might be able to tell that I'm geeking out on this a little bit, but if not, that's well, I'm okay. excited because we're getting ready to head into some of the genres and, and oh, we're yeah. actually going to get into the different books of the Bible. And so I hope you'll stick with us through this series. And then eventually we're going to end up with what does it look like to actually study the Bible for yourself? That's and how right. can you have a system and a pattern to where you can discover some of these things yourself? Yep, man. So good. I, I'm loving this. I, I really, listeners, we are praying. I mean, we really, we care about you. We're praying for you and we want, uh, we want you to be, uh, changed by the Lord. And so we hope that this is helpful to you. Yep. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see, we'll see you, you next time. time. I'm learning that with tools, I never, I, I can't afford to buy the most expensive yeah, tools, yeah. but I also don't buy the cheapest tool anymore because it's just not worth it. Like you buy the cheapest tool and well, and I will say some, some things that are mid range are annoying too, because like I bought this mid range saw from like a battery powered circular saw. Oh yeah. Worst investment I ever made because it like you can saw for like 30 seconds yeah, and then and it shuts down. Well, it's not dead. Oh, but then you can saw again for thirty seconds. And oh. you, it's weird. It's so like it weird how the battery works. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, see, I love the battery powered drills, but I think I think I would just much rather have a, a the the reciprocating saw. saw or the sawzall works great. That's so true. Yeah, those those are those amazing. battery powered ones work great. Those are amazing. Uh, Sawzalls are, but yeah. the circular saw sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah.